We are here, episode two, the live State of Mind podcast. Uh, I am Coach Dale, or Dale Lively, and I'm here actually for chapter two of what was the very first episode of the live State of Mind podcast, which was two hours long somehow and ended with an amazing 38 push-ups. My good friend, OCR athlete, the OCR police, live ambassador, and most importantly, math teacher and father, Jason Williams. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing really, really well. I have to tell you, just to jump off into it, because I think that's the best way, I've gotten actually some decent feedback about our first episode, and I think it's okay to talk about that, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pump it up. Like I, I was um, excited to see how many people listened to the entire podcast. I know it was a long, a long thing to listen to, but you know when people were talking about my push-ups or things that happened at the end of the podcast was like, that, you know, showing that they were able to listen to it. And sometimes I think that it's hard for people to listen to me for more than three minutes. So right. that, was, that was pretty cool. Well, uh, there was some, I actually got some feedback that, that people were using as the background to their long runs, which was super cool. Um, so we owe it to people to talk so that they have something to listen to on their long runs. <laughs> that's, that's right. Uh, and I, I love that. I think it's very, very cool that it was well-received, and I think there's 160 YouTube uh, views, and I'm pretty sure 148 of them were uh, of either me or you right. viewing it. You know, so I think a solid 12, <laughs> you know, maybe from unique listeners. How about that? Huh? I mean, we set the goal at six, so you know, <laughs> double that up is pretty good. That's right. And we've already got up- upgrades in the studio, I see. Yes, of course. So instead of just the one mic, uh, we went with two. And we got a little mixer. And so hopefully it sounds a lot clearer. And if the levels are crazy and you know, you're know you hearing phones vibrate, we've tried to eliminate as many of those as possible. But I'm sure there's going to be a couple that sneak through a couple times. you know. But it's a work in progress, right? Yeah, and if I sound a little sadder, it's because I have my own microphone and I'm not like having to snuggle up next to Dale during... <laughs> During the podcast. Yeah, so silly. We'll so silly. Mm. So, so I actually, you remember the last time that we were here? Yeah. I had a big race the following day. How many Ks did you run? Five, zero, 50, sir. That's and boy, did I learn a lot. Boy, did I learn a lot. It was, it was an intense five hours and 20 minutes. Wow. Uh, everything that I had run up until that point was about 22 or 23 miles. And I never realized how much strategy was involved. In, well, you know, if, if, if you go out running like a super short race, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's like one and done. It's like you give enough fuel, you're not going to stop really unless, you know, you have to grab some water at one of the water coolers or whatever a couple miles in. But for the most part, it was, it, it was an amazing experience. Were there water stations throughout? Because you had to do laps, right? So, exactly right. I, it was 11-mile loops for this one, so it ended up being like 32 miles. And there was an aid station, right? Mm-hmm. And it was, like, it was like a buffet of all of the best things ever. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a gentleman there, and, and that's what he did. He came and set up, and there was gummy bears, there was cookies, there was 
peanut butter and jelly. People were taking shots of whiskey. Wow. You're 25 miles into a race. You're taking a shot of whiskey. What are we doing right now with our life? You'd never see that's me a joke, again. By the way. <laughs> I know. I'm thinking that's, there's no, I don't drink, but there's no right. way that would be the time. I'd go, you yeah. know what? My legs feel awful. Um, I can barely walk. What do I want? Oh, how about a shot of Fireball? There you go. <laughs> you know, but that was the difference was fueling was important. You're putting such a, a big demand on your body for such a long period of time. Socks are important. Vaseline, really important. Did you change your shoes and socks or did, did you So I, that was, that's a good, that's a great question because that was a very critical move that I made. We up until this point, I knew it was at Croom. If you've anyone that's ever been to Croom, it's in Brooksville, Florida, and it's it's kind of like an ATV and a motocross track. And there's some rolling hills. It's not like super aggressive, mm-hmm. and it had been relatively dry. So the shoe that I had been doing a lot of my training runs in was the Hoka Carbon X. Are you a Hoka fan? Oh uh, yeah. How great I, are they? There, I haven't tried the Carbon X, but. The, um, the Clifton's I have, I, I like those for longer runs, but I'm no shoe aficionado compared to you. Uh, listen, sidebar, I remember eight years ago walking into a fit to run and looking at those shoes and as a joke, like picking one up and going, people wear these, not knowing like three months later, I would be the <laughs> biggest like Hoka disciple ever. They're amazing. Yeah, I think that's everybody's first reaction when they see them. They're like, um, people wear my these? First thing, like, oh man, I'm going to be instantly taller. This is going to be great. <laughs> And like more of a joke, but then, yeah, then you end up wearing them like, okay, these are great. So I had a little bit of knee issue when I started to run and don't let me forget my point on the, mm. on the race. But when, I, when that's when I found them was I was running in a lot of these minimal shoes mm. and someone was like, Hey, have you tried the Clifton's? And I went and tried the Clifton's and they were amazing. It feels literally like you're, you know, the difference between driving like a sports car and like a Cadillac, right? right? That's how it feels. It's like, it's super cushy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels like you can run for forever, but and from there, they've, they've continued to get better and better. What I found was, though, because I did a lot of racing on the trail, mm-hmm. I would train in these Cliftons, and they would be super squishy. And then I would get on the trail for like a, an OCR race or a trail race, mm-hmm. and I would use Innovates or the Reebok Supers, and they have super low profile, and they don't have any cushion. Right. And it just didn't translate well. Like my, I, I just didn't feel like my foot was solid. I felt like my calf was weak. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, they, they came out with a new pair called a Hoka Carbon X, and I'm a huge fan. And if listen, don't just hear this podcast and go buy a bunch of Carbon Xs because anyone tells you to. It has to be right for you and your gait and how your foot strikes the ground and you know, pronation and supination, they, they play a big role in it. But those were the shoes that I decided to wear at this race. It was strictly a road shoe. It was a, it was a fast shoe. They're super light. I think you could only run like two or 250 miles in them. Mm-hmm. And that was the shoe that I chose. And I, I brought another one just in case. But we found out the night before that it was going to be raining. Well, every time you go there, it rains. Right? Dude, I mean like the worst rain. I don't mean like, hey, it's drizzling. I mean torrential downpour, you know, it's, it's survival. Bear Grylls instincts <laughs> kick in when you're out there. So we were good. It was, a, it was a wise decision up until about the third lap. Mm-hmm. And a third of the way into the third lap is when the bottom fell out of it. Oh. And that made things a little bit interesting. But Now... Going through the race, um, yeah. what what are you carrying with you, and what are you leaving at like the lap point, to, as far as nutrition, water? Got water? it. 
So I want to be as light as possible for the first lap and the second. You want to be as light as possible all the time. You only want to take what you absolutely need, but you don't want to be underprepared either. So I have a camel back on, which is basically a, a, a little mini backpack, and it has a bladder in it that carries, I think, a liter or a liter and a half of water. And there's a couple pockets. I had some vitamin B. Uh, I had some ibuprofen. And I had some Sour Patch Kids, <laughs> right? And I usually either use those or Fireballs. Um, not the whiskey? No, not, not the whiskey. No, no, actual <laughs> atomic Fireballs. Okay. Let's be very clear. And, um, and again, you, you try to stay as light as possible. And then I have my phone in my backpack also. But I try to stay on a pretty you know, strict regimen of, of taking an ibuprofen and vitamin B about every hour. And then, of course, I'll have goo, which is kind of like an almost like an energy supplement with electrolytes, a little bit of sugar, and some caffeine. And that's that's kind of you, you feel like a pack mule sometimes, but all of it's really really necessary when you're out there. Nice. Now you're talking strategy. So between laps, mm-hmm. are you going straight through, continuing, or are you taking a break? Um, resting, filling up with anything, refilling your bladder, anything like that? So, yes. And that's, I think that was one of the main differences for me is that when we get in a race sometimes, at least I do, Jay, is, is it feels like it's just like wide open. Like, let's mm-hmm. just go. We can pace ourselves. We have a little strategy. But it's just like gun goes off, and then you run as hard as you can, and then you cross the finish line. Right. Because it was so long, there you, you definitely have to pace yourself. So in between the 11-mile loops, I would stop at the car, make sure I had enough water. Mm-hmm. I had peanut butter sandwiches on white bread just for some real quick sugar if I needed them. And I would stop there for about three to four minutes and then take back off on my next lap. I did run into a little bit of issue on the first lap, uh, which was as soon as I got back to the car, the the bladder for my for my uh, camelback, mm. for whatever reason, I could not get the lid to seal. It was driving me insane um, to the point where I finally ripped the bladder out, threw it on the ground, and grabbed a liter of Fiji and was carrying it for the other half of the next lap before mm. I shoved it in my backpack. Oh, wow. So I guess, I guess it was good that you realized it instead of taking off and having it just leak all over you. Exactly. I mean, that would have been super uncomfortable. What would have been the difference? I got poured on oh, about an true. hour from then, you know. But how much of that is going through your head now? Like, oh man, like this didn't work out. Like, I have I have something going wrong in the race. Do do you do you have like those demons inside of your brain? Like, oh, maybe this isn't my day. Or I'm sure when you run that long, you've got your your ups and downs where you're you know there's something telling you, man, this is not my day or, or did it just not happen? The whole thing is a roller coaster. It, it is for the first 15 to 18 miles, you're enjoying the scenery. I'm listening to Kanye West worship music. You know what I mean? It's like everything is amazing. Then the water thing started. Couldn't get my lid on. I tried to stay focused. I, I got caught in this spot where if I ran with the bottle in my hand, and a liter is a weird size. It was a square, you know, so it was already weird. I could run with it in my hand, but the problem was is, and I could drink it while I'm running, Mm -hmm. but it's super awkward. I had to keep changing hands, right? So I ended up throwing it in my backpack. I finally got it to fit. Only problem with that is every time I wanted to drink, now, now I would have to stop. But 
you know, I decided about halfway through the race, like we talk a little bit about mindset. I decided halfway through the race, it, it was a distance that I wasn't comfortable with and mm-hmm. I didn't have any context. I didn't have any frame of reference, right? I didn't, I couldn't say, well, you've run this far before, despite how you feel you're going to do it this time. Right. Um, I think it was more about just having faith in my training mm-hmm. and um, like, which is a little bit what we talked about and deciding that I didn't just want to finish it. And that, I swear to you, it was like halfway through the race, I went from running, I don't want to say running scared, but having that narrative in your head play, which is like, am I going to finish this? What happens if I don't finish it? Mm-hmm. Blah, 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 blah. And like that just kind of spirals to, wait a second, you're going to gut this out and, and you're going to try and finish at the top. So it was already like, I'm assuming that I'm going to finish. And that really, it, it, I felt like it put me in a better space mentally. Yeah, I, I've ne- I'm trying to compare this to anything I've done, and the closest thing was I did a toughest mutter eight-hour race in Chicago a couple years back. Well, I would say, yeah, that's yeah. actually almost double the amount of time but, I was out there. But the biggest difference was it wasn't a set distance. So it was always like um, those were five-mile loops. So I, I went with the goal of five laps, so to run 25 miles, which I had never run that far before. Mm-hmm. Ended up doing 30, um, but it wasn't like I have to finish like X amount of laps, you know, it was or like, will I finish? It was just, all right, if I get through this lap, I get through it. If I don't, you know, you know, that to me feels like a bigger mind game though. Yeah. There was, there was uh, my fifth lap was way like my worst lap. I was, I was pouting a lot and just saying this is stupid. And it's like, I feel like I'm the type of person that can gut it out if it's tough. If it's like, I can I can deal with that. Is but that if, not the greatest feeling in the yeah, world too? Yeah, and honestly, it's just, and it's like that's when I don't have the doubts of like I'm gonna get through this. It's it's hard, but I'm gonna do it. I have a problem like when I start saying this is stupid and this is not worth it, and then I it's like that of like I don't even want to do this anymore type of thing. And what are the chain of events that lead to that type of thinking though? Um, is it like what feels like a micro failure after micro failure or is it more just like related to how you're feeling with your legs and I think it's just a combination of everything it, I, like that fifth lap was when I failed like my first obstacle mm. and so I had to do like a penalty loop do you remember which one and, it was um, it was just something silly I don't even know what it was but no it was um, it was like a shock thing where I didn't like you had a you had to put pick up a loop a ring with a metal um pole and put it on a hook but you're standing in water sounds like a bar game operation was something like operation so okay it would shock you and apparently you could have kept trying if you got shocked but i didn't know that so once i got shocked i put it down there's like a mile penalty so i had to run an extra mile and it was cold and then i had to get into like their um ice bath thing so at that point i'm like just i'm just being a big baby yeah something like it's like you know, six hours in and I'm just like pouting. I'm like, this is dumb. And just, I'm just going to get through this. If I get to this lap, I'm at 25. But then I start thinking, I don't want this to be my last lap. And I start doing the math and I'm like, okay, if I can finish this lap before the cutoff, or if I finish this lap by a certain amount of time, I'll have time to do another lap if I hurry, Yeah. you know, and before the cutoff. So my last lap, I think was one of my fastest laps. And I, I ended up, finishing like on a good note which that was the goal it was like at that point i don't want to finish being like this was my worst lap and i was just in a bad mood type of thing i, I wanted it to be a good experience it ended up being great so i mean tough mutter is a pretty big brand which mm-hmm. right now it seems like they're in the middle of a bankruptcy yeah Did you, are you watching all of that go down 
Somewhat. I mean, I, what I, is I, the deal? I, I don't know. I, I know it's going back and forth, but I've just... There's been so much information, I really haven't had a chance to look too much into it, but I hope it turns out okay. Well, Tough Mudder is an OCR race, and they also have World's Toughest Mudders. And, I mean, they are, their, their claim is that they're the toughest, and they put out some long, long, like, ultra-endurance type of races. Uh, the World's Toughest Mudder is 24 hours, 24 is hours. that correct? Yep. And it's basically as many miles or as laps as you can get in right. in the 24 hours. And the big thing is with them is they preach like teamwork. Like they have um, obstacles that require people to help each other out. Yeah. So it's not like other uh, races where you're not oh, allowed to help people out. Yeah, so it's, it's cool where you'll see like one of the top athletes like Ryan Atkins go up a ramp wall and he stops and he helps two or three people. And he's racing for first and he stops and he helps people before he goes on. And then, now is this is it any Tough Mudder or is this, we're talking about World's Toughest? Um, any Tough Mudder. Oh. Yeah, like this, the, the one I was talking about, the eight-hour one was the first one I'd ever done. So it was funny because I, like going in, I was told by people, I'm like, I don't know, I've never run Tough Mudder. Yeah. And they're like, okay, when you get up something, turn back. Like somebody might help you up and that's okay. Just make sure you return the favor and help the person behind you. So the first big obstacle I get to uh, was like a, a warped wall. And I am notoriously bad at those. And I get there and there's two guys and I'm like, okay, so they're going to help me you know, reach a handout. And as soon as I start running, they turn around and leave. <laughs> And I'm like barely hanging on to the top, like struggling to get up. And, the, and I just start yelling like, what happened to this teamwork <laughs> stuff you guys are talking about? And, and then from the, I, I remember from that point on the rest of the race, I did that wall by myself just because of that. But other just than that, spite like, those two yeah, gentlemen. Just, yeah. But, um, <laughs> I'll show them. And there's, but there's like some cool obstacles where you're, you're required to um, use te- teamwork. And I'm, tr- I'm trying not to lose my brain power here but there's um blockness monster where okay. um it's like these humongous blocks in the water and you have to go over the blocks but it's almost impossible to do by yourself so people would climb on top of them and then that'll get the momentum to turn and when it's turning it'll carry somebody up on top got you so then that person keeps the momentum and it it requires people so of course being the nerd i am i was watching videos on how to do it yes so then i get there the first time and there's people doing it and they're not doing it like the way the video showed right and i'm like guys didn't you watch the video on how to do this and they're like what and i'm like oh it's it's just me i'm i'm that guy so <laughs> sorry but yeah it was it was a fun experience i'm sorry to go off on a tangent but you i didn't. guess that's what, what is, we do what does something like that teach you and i mean as far as the teamwork thing or well i mean as far as doing an eight-hour race like what did you learn about that um it it really teaches you like what you have inside of you and like um digging deep and you know like a lot of little things i remember one of the first things i learned was not to be chatty in between laps because i was just i was grabbing some nutrition then i ended up talking to somebody and i'm like oh i'm still in a race but i think that the biggest thing i learned was that fifth lap when i was at my darkest time like you're gonna have those moments where you feel and i you know the funny moment that got me to turn my mental part around was I was freezing. I was saying this is cold and dumb, and I and I don't even know why I'm here. And the leader of the race, Ryan Atkins, ran like jogged by me, and he was wearing no shirt. He's like, "Good job!" And and then he's, I'm like, "This guy's not wearing a shirt," and I'm sitting there like in like right. warm clothes, right. like complaining. I'm like, "All right, just suck it up." And cold is something else. Yeah. Push, I can push, mm-hmm. but the cold—that's a different animal, especially keep, for us. And keep in mind, this was in Chicago, but it was July. 
<laughs> oh, wow. So it wasn't like, I don't want to sit there and say it was like 20 degrees. You know, it, it was cold for me being, you know, living in Florida. But wow. it was, yeah, like I said, he was wearing no shirt. It was probably, if I had to guess, like in the 50s. Mm. But, yeah. I, th- I just think it's amazing that when you start to realize, like, ultimately what your body can do. Mm-hmm. Like, we tested in here and doing group classes and OCR events, and it, it gets tested to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. But when you have a mental threshold or a mental hurdle in your head of, okay, this is all the context I have mm-hmm. is 22 or 23 miles. That's what it was before this race. At what, point, or at what point in your race, if there was one, did you feel like, like you were hitting a wall? Like So I will be completely honest. When, when the mind frame changed about mile, or excuse me, lap number two, which was... I'm no longer going to be focused on just finishing. Mm. That to me felt like running scared. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. It's like fearing the wall, like right. fearing the breakdown. Oh, here it is. Oh right. my gosh, this is what we've thought about and talked about for the last four hours. Right. It wasn't that. I wanted to go proactive with it. Mm-hmm. And I literally switched my mindset to go, okay, despite the fact that I don't have any context for this, I'm, I'm going to push towards the top. Mm-hmm. And I think... I finished fifth, I believe, overall. I think had I not taken another eight or nine minutes at the first lap turn where my my camelback got messed up, maybe it's fourth, but then Mm. maybe I go out too fast. And it's such a long race. So I'd hate to say that that cost me anything, but my mindset changed, Jay. It it completely changed from just wanting to finish to want to finish near the top. And you Mm. have 97 runners for having to run an ultra marathon. And I was really, really pleased with finishing fifth, man. It's awesome. Did you see other people in between laps, like, doing the same thing you're doing, like, getting their stuff together, and then you're kind of eyeing each other, like, oh, I got to get out of here. Yes, path. but I'll tell you what, there was 100K going on at the same time. Oh, wow. So a 50 kilometers, 31 miles, 100K is obviously double that. Mm-hmm. So that was something that put things into perspective also. So here I am finishing, right, mm-hmm. and watching people doing the 100K <laughs> They're only at their halfway point. Right. That's insane. You know? Yeah. Those uh, ultra marathon people, they, they are something. But you know what I saw? And it really, really paralleled. Um, it really paralleled OCR, mm-hmm. which was we realize how tough of a feat this is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it is about each of us individually competing against ourselves, against each other. But it's also about us competing against the course. That's why you have a volunteer who sits in what felt like an oasis coming around that corner. It was a white tent. I could see it through the trees. It was so amazing. You get there. It was like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. (laughs) There was gummy bears. And what tasted amazing was Coca-Cola. Really? Oh, my gosh. I I don't drink regular Coke anymore. But it was so amazing. But there's a reason why you have people like that volunteering for an event like this. It's because it's tough. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, here's the other side, is finished fifth, five hours and 20 minutes. My strategy going into it was to go out, make sure I didn't go out hot. I wanted to sit at like 8.45s or nine, nine-minute miles. Mm-hmm. And I knew the terrain wasn't going to be crazy, and I was able to accomplish that for the most part. Um, what's crazy is is... The winner w- did it in four hours and ten minutes. Wow. He beat me by an hour ten. <laughs> he didn't stop at all. Wow. You know, so 
I think those little pauses and those little stops, they allow the body to recover, and you can feel a major difference for the next couple of miles. Episode two, and that would be our second little uh, flub there. So in any case, Jay, four that. hours and ten minutes was, was an unbelievable time, and that's what won it. And I'm pretty sure, and it's safe to say, that he probably went around all of those loops without stopping. And that's awesome, and that's yeah. what he does. You know what I mean? Uh, I was thrilled. And for never having done that before, um, I was really, really happy with the way that it turned out. For sure. Do you see more of these uh, longer races in your future? I do. This, you know, this was a great training run all in all for the ultimate goal, which is the, there's a race in Virginia. It's called the Grayson Highlands 50 miler. And that is in, uh, on the Appalachian trail. Oh, wow. The good news is it's a state park and there's a bunch of, uh, Shetland ponies there. So oh. if I get really tired, you may see me just riding a pony ride, across yeah. the finish line. Nice. <laughs> wow. But at the same time, you've also run shorter distances. You ran a 5K not too long ago, right? Last week, I did. Yeah, How'd you we, do? We did okay. Finished pretty close to the front. Um, close to the front? It was, okay, all right. You know what was crazy? Finished first, it, which was, let's be very, very clear. This is not a state race. The heavy hitters weren't out there. And it's so funny. I ran a 1938 mm-hmm. for a 5K. Mm-hmm. Is it fast? Okay. Versus the general population. Is it fast for any, like, seasoned runner? No. Come on. Let's be honest. But, it's, and it's funny, too, when I tell that story to people who are actual runners. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, wait, so what place did you get? they be like, I got first. And they don't want to offend me. They're like, oh, okay. You were in a 1938 and got first. I mean, that's fast and all, but how did you get first with that? It's so funny. But isn't it funny also how... We do something like, oh, won a race, but can't, like, almost there's something you'd be like, yeah, but the heavy hitters weren't out there. You know, it's like you ran as fast as you needed to run. If somebody was pushing you faster, you never know what would have happened. That's true. And it's it's funny how we, we do that to ourselves, kind of like, well, you know, it's, you know, it was it was all right, but and then it's funny too. Because, it's kind of self deprecating, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. But because, like I said, like that was if you're winning a race, you run as fast as you need to run. You yeah. might not necessarily, you know, you're not if you run a 15 minute 5k, but second place is running at 20. I mean, maybe you're just gonna run just faster than that person. Yeah. You know? So you never know. Um, I I think it's a fast time. Right? Well, here's and and listen, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and toot my own horn. Mm-hmm. And I love 1938. I think that's awesome. Toot it, toot toot. So, but here's what I think is cool is that I I did a 30 miler or a, yeah 32 miler like a week or two before. That's where my head is at right now. Right. That's what my body is kind of tuned for is more distance. Mm-hmm. So to still be able to do that, I was pretty pleased. We actually had a funny story who, who I was really impressed with was a guy who has been training at our gym, actually he's 16 years old, uh, and this was his very first race ever, and ran a 20.02. So that, That's to only beat him by 20 or 25 mm-hmm. seconds, and he was pushing, you know, and I was super, super impressed. That's so awesome. Live Training Center was able to go to an event. It was called the Soul 5K, Supporters of Law Enforcement. We were able to uh, sponsor that race also, and represent by finishing first and second, which was really good for us, our facility, and our brand. And it was really, really cool, man. And to be able to do that for law enforcement and public service, mm-hmm. that's literally what we're about. That's great. 
to run a run a race, but also for a great cause. And I saw you uh, gave a little advertisement as you crossed the finish line. That took me a long time to work the nerve up to do that <laughs> because it, <laughs> I actually went up to, went up to the like the race director afterwards, and I was like, "If I ruined that, I apologize. <laughs> if I was just totally uncouth, but I've always wanted to do that. You know what I thought about doing? I thought about." changing my name on the race registration to come to live training center <laughs> just in case i get called to the podium they at least have to announce it yeah right so i think that would be pretty funny yeah but, come to would be a weird first name but <laughs> well as long as they you know did first and last name right right, right. but then i was worried that they would announce last name first yeah. and then first name then i'm yeah. like how do i know right. live you know live training center come okay, to yeah. it's like that would be weird so it'll just be like yoda that's all <laughs> But it's been a blast, man. I, I love racing. Um, it's really good. I love being in the community. I love having, you know, uh, being represented in the community well. And, of course, finishing the first in any race, there was like 300 people, 250, 300 people there, nice. which is, is really, really good. And the funniest, well, I won't say the funniest thing, is we ended up on the law enforcement Facebook page of me crossing the finish line yelling, Live Training Center, <laughs> Palmetto, Florida. You, you know, go. holler at your boy. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> I was mentioning to Danielle, I was like, I, I always knew I would end up on a law enforcement <laughs> Facebook page or, or a website. I just didn't think it would be like this, honestly. That's a preferable way to do it, though, I would think. 100%. <laughs> so let me ask you this. So you did well on this long race, the mm-hmm. first race of that type of distance. Then you turn around yes. and win the short distance. Yes. Any worries of complacency? Because you did so well in multiple races, dude. Complacency is the killer. That's yeah. what we're fighting. That's I, I'm giving you this as a warning. Yes. Actually. Because um, turn this back on me. Because I that's, will receive that's, that. that's what I'm here for. Um, the the day the year I ran the toughest mudder, the eight hour race, and I like I said, my goal was 30 miles. I ran. Or my goal was 25 miles. I ran 30, and I was like, I've never run that far in my life. I was very excited about that. Yeah. Um, the next week was the U.S. OCR Championships. And I was thinking, it's really dumb of me to do this long race and yeah. turn around and go to the U.S. Championship the next week in Texas. And I ended up getting um, third place in the short course. Sure. So I got a bronze medal, and I was just like, that was like a pretty awesome week. Yeah. And I know that, I think mentally in my head, I was like, all right, I'm good for for a bit. And I kind of, I did get a little... Complacent. Yeah, and then had to um, work my way back after that because I think I was just kind of like, I'm, I'm good. Like, I was satisfied with what I did, and I think the fire was gone for a little bit because I was, I was excited and I was happy and I was, I guess, celebrating, you know? You know, I think if that's going to happen, I definitely understand that. Mm-hmm. I think if that's going to happen, it'll happen after the 50-miler, though. Yeah. Because that seems to be my goal right now. Mm-hmm. And that distance... With that elevation, which I don't think it's like 5,000 or 7,000 feet. Wow. Which, mind you, at this Brooksville race a couple weeks ago, Kroom Zoom, mm-hmm. shout out Tampa Races. Um, they've done a great job of putting on these types of races. But in any case, there was like 1,300 feet really? over the 31 miles. Nice. I mean, that may as well be yeah. Mount Everest to someone <laughs> living in Bradenton. Right. You know? But I think if it's going to happen, it'll happen after the 50-miler. Maybe take a little break. I got a little... My right ankle right now is... I'm getting some therapy on, and I'm making sure to take care of it. That's the other thing, is the recovery side. Right. Which I'm really trying to spend a lot of time on rolling and stretching and getting therapy and acupuncture and 
all sorts of stuff. You know, it's like a different train of thought. And I was just talking to some clients the other day about how stretching and recovery, too often we do it once there's already a problem. Right. It's, it becomes like a reactive thing. It's like, oh, okay, I have this pain now. What do I do about this pain in my hamstring? You know what I mean? I feel right. like I pulled it. Uh, and then that kind of prompts the mm-hmm. stretching. But if we can get diligent about it before the problems start, then it could actually prevent issues and help us stay pain-free and help our performance to go up. Right. How do you stretch? Or do you stretch? I do. It's funny because... Well, it, wait it, on a second. What? You did yoga today. I did yoga this morning before yeah. OCR class. what are we class. talking about? There you go. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I started thinking... It's funny when you talk to someone who doesn't work out yeah. and they say, I just don't have the time. And then what is our reaction? We say, you got to make time. Yeah. You got to make time in your day. But that's true though. And the, yeah. And then you, someone turns around to you and go, oh, do, do you stretch? Well, I don't have time. I work out. Yeah. But I don't have time. It's, it's the same train of thought. But the, people, the same people that are telling the people that don't work out, you got to make time, will turn around and say, but I Correct. don't have time to stretch. Correct. And it's, it's the same thing. It's just kind of funny how. You know what it always you know, comes down to? Well. I would say it's a pain intolerance. It's like there has to be something to trigger you. There has to be a need great enough for you to make time, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. like oh, I have a pain in my leg. Mm-hmm. So because of this pain, I am going to carve out some extra time to stretch. Mm-hmm. But sometimes until that happens, we don't recognize like the importance of it. And it's, it's the old like growing up, you hear no pain, no gain. Yeah. When you go to work out... You're in pain, or you're you're doing not in pain like this. You're getting hurt, but it's you're pushing yourself. It's yeah. hard. So then, when you're stretching, it's not that same mindset. You're in. It almost feels like, all right, if I'm spending thirty minutes doing this, shouldn't shouldn't I feel something where I'm pushing? okay? That brings up a great point, which is, it we want the gratification, we want the payoff, right? And we're not getting it instantly. And I think that it doesn't burn calories. Mm -hmm. Here's something else that no one wants to talk about. It doesn't make up for anything crappy we ate the hour (laughs) before. Or it's not going to be, it's not going to prepare our bodies for what we're getting ready to hammer. You know, we're going to go out to Burger King, so I'm going to go run so I can, you know, you know, tolerate the burnt, whatever it is that we put into our body. So the, the payoff is delayed. Mm-hmm. The gratification is delayed. And what I tell clients is we work out because we, we want to be healthy. We want to see a tangible, physical result. I want to be able to look in the mirror and see the benefit of it mm-hmm. or look at my performance. I need to see it, right? I got to be able to quantify it. Sometimes what the benefit of stretching is in what we don't see, mm-hmm. not in what we do see. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, and I think if you kind of change your mind thought you're thinking that way where, okay, the stretching may allow me to work out longer or run a little longer because I'm not in pain. Or to not be pain. Yeah. yeah. To not be in pain. Yeah. So, so it is kind of there. It's just like that actual stretching part isn't the payoff where, yeah, we've got to reset the way we're thinking about it. I I do think it's kind of like nutrition too, in Mm. that there's so many different trains of thought. There's Mm. so many different philosophies. There's so many different you know, avenues on what to stretch, what not to stretch. Do I stretch the IT band? Do I roll the IT band? What do I do with the IT band? Like, there's there's all of these different modalities and things, and a lot of it is personal. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is where do you see benefit, you mm-hmm. know? Um, some people like to do yoga. Some people hate a yoga studio. Some people, 
do well at home with a DVD. Some people mm. love to roll. Some people don't like to roll. There are, there are benefits for everything, but ultimately it's about what is setting you up to be the healthiest version of yourself. And here's what we know. It comes down to really three areas uh, when we're talking about physicality. It is the exercise portion, right? How often, the frequency, the intensity. It is the recovery portion. We're talking about mobility, flexibility, uh, tissues, tendons, ligaments, joints. Like, uh, How are we moving? Are we efficient? Are we pain-free? And then it's nutrition. What are we putting into our body? And when all three of those are hitting on all cylinders, then you know the chances of a of a of a client having long term success is a lot greater. It's awesome. Pretty sweet, right? Yeah. Um, I want to share this with you. I how how was your th- when you go out for a training run, mm-hmm. right? What are you thinking about? Uh, I guess depends on the run. I feel like we could have a three hour conversation. Yeah. I would love to get other people's opinions. I mean, if I know. Like a couple weeks ago, I had to run eight, eight hundreds or about half mile. This is, are you talking about speed work? Yeah. Okay. That's and different. Yeah. That's a different, that's a different story. Yeah. I was dreading that. That is, I just don't want to die. I hate my <laughs> life. God, this is horrible. Why do I do this? I could be eating pizza right now. <laughs> but are you talking about like a longer run or? I'm talking about either a long run or a tempo run. Not necessarily one where. You're only focused on like effort and output. Like I need mm-hmm. to run hard, 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 hard. Mm-hmm. Let's say you go out for a long run, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say you go out for ten or twelve miles. Mm-hmm. First off, what are you listening to? And then secondly, what what are your thoughts? What do you find your your mind trailing to? Oh, it goes everywhere. I've, obviously, I'm listening to the uh, you know live <laughs> podcast on repeat, right? That one episode, <laughs> just keep looping it. That I mean, if I'm listening to that probably gonna be a really long run so that's good but um usually i'm looking at my heart rate and like the last long run i did my what watch do you have i have the garmin forerunner do you like it i like it it gives you real-time heart rate yeah it's i i just use a wrist um some people prefer the uh, chest strap and bam second question what data fields are important to you when you look down at your watch um if i'm running a long run i'm just looking at my heart rate and I'm trying not to look at too much because I, I feel like if I, you know, because based on what you've done that week and everything, like sometimes my heart rate will jump up and I have to slow down because it's, I'm, that's, I'm only doing a heart rate run. I'm not trying to look at my speed. And sometimes I'm going slower, sometimes I'm going faster. Like last time I did a, a long run, I was getting frustrated because I had to slow down and I thought I should have been going faster at that heart rate. Like right. my heart rate was just higher than normal and i was getting agitated because i'm like why am i going so slow and so at that point that's all i was thinking about and 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 so i was getting annoyed at that so that was that was a little rough but um i actually stopped about halfway through and like it was a bathroom break and water break and then once i started back up it it was kind of more it normalized to what i was used to right and then I kind of just, it was just back to running. But that's, I, I was just, I remember the whole time thinking though, like we all have those days, mm-hmm. you know, um, sometimes like when Brittany's running, she'll have a day and I'll be like, we all have those days. But I'm like, all right, well, it's my turn. So right. I can't be a hypocrite and tell her that we all have those days. It's, it's my turn. So, um, you know, you're just trying to, trying to stay positive and trying to not, 
you know, get in your head. And uh, of course, me being math guy, I'm just doing the math. Like if I'm going this slow, it's going to take me this long to finish this run. And that's like going to be night, you know, that's hilarious. <laughs> so, so like I need to speed up to this point, but then it's defeats the purpose because my heart rate gets spikes. Too high. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't, do you, do you find yourself? Well, let me just tell you this. I feel like I have the most creative mm-hmm. thoughts when I'm out running. I think part of it is getting out of my own way. Uh-huh. And then I'm sure endorphins have a lot to do with it, you know? Uh, but, but literally, there are many times where I will be out on a run and we'll stop mm-hmm. and either record something or send a text message to someone about a new venture that I want to start. Okay. Or sometimes I'll make a phone call. And I, I want to preface that by saying, or, or preface this by saying that, uh, this is the thought that I had the other day, and I, and I think it's a good topic of discussion, okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to try to tie this up as best as possible. All right. So I started to think about a fitness facility and improving health and wellness and comparing it to a restaurant and the service that you receive at a restaurant versus the service that you receive at a gym. So here's what I was thinking. At a, and this isn't about a good gym or a bad gym. This is just literally a thought, okay? Uh, when you walk into a restaurant, right, you expect to be greeted, right? At the door, they ask you how many people are going to be in your party. You sit down at a table. You got nice silverware. You expect it to be clean. They've prepared for you to come. They hand you a menu. They give you suggestions. You then make an order based on what they have on this list, right? And it goes to a professional in the back who has a ton of experience. He knows how to whip up ingredients. He's got all the perfect, hopefully, you're at the right restaurant. (laughs) He's got all the perfect ingredients, and he's making these specific dishes, and they bring them out to you, and they taste amazing, and then you leave healthy and happy, right? Right. My job is not to go there and cook. My job is to go there and be served from someone that Mm -hmm. is at the top of their field, hopefully, right? Right. And it, I started to think about that in terms of health and fitness and how different that is in the health and wellness industry. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, if you compared a, a, a restaurant of sorts or we use that same analogy and compared it to almost like a commercial gym setting. And again, there are good gyms and bad. This isn't about good or bad. This is just really taking a step back and looking at how do we get our client to have the best result or... How do we have our make sure that our community has a very low turnover rate, right? A restaurant, you're not going to walk into, seat yourself, uh, go, man, what do I feel like eating? And then go back into a kitchen mm. that has just a bunch of random ingredients. And now you got to figure out what to make and put it in this dish, how much salt, how much cheese, how much this, how much that. Hopefully you get it right Mm -hmm. and then bring it out and taste it. And you're like, well, that, you know, whatever. Your chances of coming back to that restaurant would be very slim. And I started to think about that in terms of a facility that is semi-private or that spends a lot of time with their clients Mm -hmm. and provides all of that expertise and experience how that would affect the client's overall results and subsequent uh, turnover rate for that facility. Mm-hmm. What other industry is like that? You think about it in terms of a commercial gym. It's literally like an accountant mm-hmm. or a pilot or a school teacher or a doctor. You're going in and looking at all of this equipment 
and just trying to figure it out right. by either a video you've seen, some piece of knowledge that your high school coach gave you, you know, what you think you want, and you're just pushing and you're just chest pressing every day. And just I, what other industry is like that right. where everything is just kind of laid out and it's kind of you're just like winging it? Does that make sense at all? Yeah, maybe I'm on the wrong track. It's almost like if you're saying if you're going to a gym, it's almost like going to a supermarket. So then you've got to go and just figure it all out. Where, more or less, but, but... But if you're going to like live, it's more like going to that restaurant where you've got... The energy, there, right? the workout, the expertise. Right. You have coaches who are mm-hmm. taking you through. And when you look at a, a, a different type of setting, mm-hmm. it's all of the equipment is laid out there for you. Right. And a lot of times, most people, and this is, I'm just judging by the feedback that we get. It's like, yeah, I go to this gym or that gym. I don't even need to name names. I go to this gym or that gym. How long have you been going there? I don't know, for about like three months. Have you seen anything change? Not really. Well, what do you do? Pretty much the same thing every time I go in. Mm-hmm. It, it, are we really setting up clients for success? Right? Right. right. Um, if I'm going to build a house... I'm going to go to an architect or a construction company that that's their specialty. Mm-hmm. Not just, I'm not showing, I'm not going to Home Depot. So would you say putting together a workout is like building like a nice dish? Exactly. Okay. So then like you've got, and you've got many dishes here. So if you're more into like, I'm in the mood to eat obstacle racing, right. you can go to OCR Fit or if you want the boot camp type of thing or yeah the alternative is what going to a set of monkey bars and Mm -hmm. going all right let me just figure this out right do you see what i mean yeah yeah more or less you're putting it on the the i don't want to use the term expert but the Mm -hmm. professionals in that industry right to ensure that you get the absolute best result Mm -hmm. imagine if surgery was like that (laughs) if you just walked into a room and you had scalpels and stuff everywhere like ah, let me just figure this out right you know hopefully i'll get it right they, they've had restaurants where you put all the uh, food together and then they cook it for you. Right. That never works out well for me because <laughs> I like these things individually, but I don't know how to put them together in a right way. So I'm like, this tastes horrible. I'm like, they'll cook it up for me, but I need someone to get that, you know, mixed together. So right. This goes with this and that goes with that. Right. Instead of me choosing. That's why I'm not the chef or the person that makes the menu. <laughs> You can see why it would be challenging. Oh, yeah. Now, kudos to those that go to those facilities that either have a good background, mm-hmm. it works great for them. Right. Or someone who maybe is getting training from someone else who brings a prescribed workout already in. Mm-hmm. Um, there still could be a risk of injury. But ultimately, if we're looking to make a massive impact in our community, how much greater are the chances for a client to succeed if much like walking into a good restaurant, when you walk in, you're greeted, you check in, the energy is provided, the community. Imagine going to a restaurant and eating with all your friends instead mm-hmm. of eating by yourself, right? right? What are the chances you're going to come back? Yeah. The workout is provided for you. You have someone standing over you making sure that you're doing things the right way. They're measuring you. Or, you know, you're checking your progress overall and you know, making suggestions about how you can you know, get better in each and every facet, including the exercise, recovery, and nutrition. I, I just, I don't know. I really think about it in terms of how, what are the chances of a client succeeding at a facility where the equipment is provided, but the direction is not. Right. And comparing that to somewhere where 
you know, it is a little bit more structured and you're leaving, you know, the service to that of the professional. Just, just come in with an appetite to get better. Just come in with a desire to say, I want to improve my life. That's all you need. Right. And we'll take care of the rest. And I think even there, like with some restaurants, if you go in and it's just the same thing every time, like some, like the good restaurants will switch things up, you know, introduce Mm. new items. And I think that if you're going, like just looking at the workouts, I don't think there's been a workout since I've been coming here that's the same. Right. You know, it's like, yeah, you have similar facets of different parts when you're training for the same type of race for OCR. But you're not like, well, here we go again. We did this yesterday or last week or, you know, it's like it's the same exact thing, you know. So I think that's great too. That's going to get people to come back because there's variety. You know, it's like I'm not having to come up. Like if I'm going to a gym and trying to decide, I'm going to go with what I know. So I am there just you doing go. that pumping. That, and yeah. that's what I mean. Mm-hmm. And it's not that if, if I have a math question, I'm coming to you. You're the expert. Like you're the guy. You're the professional. I'm going to be like, hey – I'd like to pay you because I want to make sure that it's right and I want to make sure the result that I get is the absolute best that I can. Which is funny that you just kind of brought it around because you were asking what I think about when I run and you were thinking about like what you were just talking about and because this is your business and I have thought about ways that I could, oh man, I got a really good way I can teach factoring polynomials. Like I'm Bam. Run and like, and then I got to run home and when I get home, like write it down because I'm like, this is a different way that maybe these um, kids that don't get it will get it. You know? There you go. So I guess we all think about whatever we're passionate about while we're running. You got it. And that's what I think too. It's like when you go on these long runs, that's a great thing because sometimes we don't just sit back and think, mm-hmm. you know, and just give our brain a chance to just explore, you know, and just we're always on the go, go, go. And almost in that like just mode of doing the next thing and on to the next thing and we're just almost like an Always having to be stimulated though. Yeah. That is a that that is something that I recognized recently, and uh, my wife Danielle would probably agree with me. I am in love with Bluetooth headphones, yeah. specifically Bose. Seriously, I love them. Yeah, um, they're awesome and they're amazing, and they allow me to be hands free while I'm talking or listening. I love podcasts, obviously. I love music. I love, you know, media. I like to be able to passively listen to things. I think that's what's interesting about podcasts is that. Mm-hmm. You don't have to actively be sitting somewhere and watching a TV. Right. It's a passive form of media. Mm-hmm. So I can be running, and I can also at the same time be getting you know, a bunch of really, really good information on either business or being an entrepreneur or something health and wellness related. Or if I need a break, I mean, we all listen to a Joe Rogan podcast mm-hmm. or something similar. Uh, but it's it allows me to multitask, and for a male, that is very challenging. Yeah. So, how often would you say you go just run without headphones? I don't. You don't. The end. Here's how bad it is. You ready? This is how bad it is. It's so bad that if I can't get my pair of headphones here, mm-hmm. I have been known to go to the Circle K and buy a seven or twelve dollar pair of the worst <laughs> headphones ever. Just to make sure that I have something. Wow. But I love music though at the same yeah. time. I love I'm super eclectic with music. I love it. I love the energy. I don't know. That's just my thing. But yeah, I have been known to buy some really cheap headphones. So there it is. Dale will not run unless he's listening to I something. know. I know. It's it's uh it's just the way that it is right now. So if you, you wanna know? beat him in a race, you gotta take his electronics. <laughs> Or, or he might chase you down for them. So How about this? Like, I ruined it. This will tell you again. 
this is my third pair of headphones like this. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what do you do during an OCR when you don't wear headphones? Okay, you? that's right. No, I don't wear headphones when I'm doing OCR races. So what do you do? Hum to yourself. Run hard. <laughs> Run hard and a mantra. And I, like I told you before, I feel like I end up like coaching other. Like if I'm not focused on what I'm doing, mm-hmm. I'm like trying to build up other people around me. Honestly, right. that's what I feel. So and it just happens. I do yeah. not plan on it. Mm-hmm. Someone runs past me. Of course, I want to chase him down, but right. kind of encouraging him at the same time. I did, however, have a 5K the other. Day, excuse me, a five miler that I was wearing headphones for. And I got to the end, which there was like two or 300 meters left, and I started sprinting. Yeah. And I passed the guy that was directly ahead of me. Mm-hmm. And then I started screaming at the next guy right at the finish line, I'm coming for you! <laughs> I'm coming for you! Those are the endorphins kicking in. Again, I had to apologize. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Children started running away screaming <laughs> in terror. Mom, someone's coming after me. Oh, man. It's so crazy. Can I tell you something cool that happened? What's that? Dude, we had... We had a great event here the other night. It was something we had planned out for a long time. Did you see on any social media the the uh, women's night that we had? I did. Yeah. I mean, I am wearing a pink yeah. live training center women's night shirt right now. So I saw that it looked like a really good event. At first, I was offended I wasn't invited, but then when I found out it was a women's event, I, I understood. There were two males here. One yeah. of them was me, and the other one was Randall Wagner from the GNC talking about supplements. It was so amazing, honestly. So you, so you didn't see me out in the bushes? <laughs> no, I, okay, did, good, I didn't good. see you. I didn't see you. Uh, but it was, it was very, very cool, and it was something that we had planned for a while and something that had been on my heart and wanting to bring people together. We've realized recently how our boot camps are much like a, a Baptist church. Everyone comes at the same time, yeah. and they try to sit in the same pew or the <laughs> same place, and some of them have never even met each other. So. Uh-huh. So is that what this was about, is kind of getting people that maybe don't go to the same class or are in the same class don't talk to each other to kind of communicate? Like, tell me about the event. Well, what we do hear a lot about it is, is about healthy relationships, right? Mm-hmm. We've talked about that. Not only a healthy relationship with other people, but a healthy relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's hard to do that. In reality, a majority of our clients here... They're not going home to an environment that is super healthy. Now, I'm not saying it's unhealthy or toxic. I just mean it's very possible that their family or their life outside of here isn't one that is 100% conducive to, you know, losing weight or, you know, eating the right things or exercising or having a healthy mind. So a lot of times, this is the support group. Mm -hmm. And it will work as a support group as long as people know that each other exists. Um, we have about 40 different class options, like traditional fitness classes here on a weekly basis. And they start as early as 5.30 and as late as 5.45 p.m. Mm. But it's funny because they always come to the same class. So right. they never even, we've been growing and growing, but no one has ever met each other. Yeah. So it was, one, an opportunity for healthy women to come and meet other healthy women. Mm-hmm. And that for our community is a big deal. You have to know you're not alone in this. Like this is, this is this is how we do life. Mm-hmm. It's through relationships. And the other part was to come and get a workout designed specifically for women, mm-hmm. targeting shoulders, thighs, glutes, stomach, bum 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 bum, led by women, mm-hmm. right? And then it was also to inform and inspire. 
and uh, we had a couple different speakers. Uh, Meredith spoke. She's a client here, also an ambassador. She spoke on nutrition. She did a great job, made it super practical. Uh, we also had uh, another ambassador. Her name is Cynthia here. She was able to speak on just her story and mm-hmm. you know have people leave inspired. My wife actually spoke, and she closed, talked a lot about self-image and gave some challenges. And then, of course, uh, we had a, a gentleman, Randall Wagner, who was here talking about supplementation. So it was a, a place and a time, and we fed everybody. Come on. Nice. But it was a place and a time where healthy women could come together from our community and even outside of our community, mm-hmm. could come together, meet each other, learn about one another, fellowship together, work out together, eat together, get educated and informed and inspired, and then leave with new relationships. That's great. You uh, have any plans to follow up or have maybe like a group it's like online that maybe people that don't necessarily have the schedule where they would be able to go to the same class together, but maybe they met that night and mm. communicate. We actually, one of the challenges, I was super, and listen, I was super proud of everyone that spoke and everyone that was a part of that because it takes, you've seen some of the events that we put on, and it takes a lot of work behind the scenes to make something like this pop. And uh, we, Danielle issued this little challenge. She made everyone names and it all had the name of another client and that had to be there. I forgot what the term that she used but it was basically like a new healthy friend that they were to think about or pray about mm. and they would keep that name and they would text wow. and like an accountability partner. Okay. Excuse me. Almost. And uh, so it just gave people an opportunity to meet one another and again leave inspired. We're going to have a men's night coming up too dude. Oh man. Oh yes. That could be trouble. Oh yes. So it'll be uh, be pretty similar, but everything will be revolving around the male will be burping contests oh, and uh, you know. Can I, can I wear a shirt? <laughs> yes. Okay. Good. Yes. All right. Perfect. <laughs> but it's it's a blessing to be able to do this, and it's a blessing to be able to uh, to go out to these different events and to host these different events as a means of just improving our community. And continuing to, to push our mission. That's great. Any um, any races coming up that you're sponsoring or putting your name in the hat? And I know because you just did the last week's race, right? Yeah, we have a couple of local 5Ks, I believe, that we're going to be a part of. In a couple of weeks, I'm actually going to be doing the warm-up for a local one. Oh, nice. Yeah, so we'll be able to get our name out there a little bit and, and to keep it... Uh, you know, to keep things moving in the right direction, that was one of our mm. uh, things this year is to get out into the community more and uh, just kind of make a presence there and, and continue to inspire and educate people. And, you know, I've, we've been really, really blessed for everything that we've gotten so far and been able to be a part of. It's great. It's fantastic, sir. So <laughs> I, I want to thank you ultimately for coming back in here. It's been an absolute blast and a pleasure. You were on the very first two episodes. How about that? That means you have to uh, name the trophy after me, like Vince Lombardi won the first (laughs) two Super Bowls, right? The OCR police trophy, is that what it's going to be called? I don't don't know. There's no trophy, so I don't even know what I'm talking about. Well, (laughs) you know, last time we got your 38 up on the board, so I won't make you do push-ups again. I mean, if you want me to, we'll I will. I, we'll keep that for the next. Right. Yeah, I, listen, I was coaching the OCR class that you were just in, so I know okay. you've been pushing pretty hard. But 
Um, I want to ultimately thank you for being a part of this the last uh, couple of episodes. You've been an absolute blast, and I look forward to uh, doing this again in the future, Jay. Definitely. I'm always up for uh, talking. All right. On behalf of uh, myself and Jason Williams, we are signing off. Episode 2. Bye.